Good morning. Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. Mm-hmm. Beautiful day out, huh? Isn't it nice? It warms up. Yeah, like that. So I'm going to invite you. I'm going to ring the chime and invite you to drop into uh, that space. And before you do that, you know we are such incredible, amazing creatures. We just are. And and why waste a moment like this? And I'm going to talk a little bit about this today. But um, if you if you're here for the, anybody here for the first time, okay. I'm the preacher, by the way. I'm Reverend Patrick, so nice to have you here. Just letting you know. I don't want to assume anything, but it's great. That, thank you for checking us out. Um, so but one of the things that is so uh, rich and wonderful about what we do, it's really about the shift in consciousness. It's about transformation. It's about living the best life we possibly can. I mean, somebody's got to do it. Why not us, right? Because there's plenty of people out there doing other things that we marvel at sometimes. But the point being is that the feeling tone that we create around any idea is really, Dr. Holmes, our founder, used to say, the answer to the prayer is in the prayer. And I also think he meant in the prayer, you know, the, the individual. But it's, it's the energetic of the prayer, I believe, is what he meant by that. So I want you to just take a moment before I start to, uh, we'll drop into the silence, but I want you to bask in a memory. And on the way up the road this morning, when I was on my way here, I, I was coming up 98th, and I had a remembrance of when I went to Los Angeles when I was 27 years old. I just, no, I hadn't turned 27 yet. I was 26. But I, I went and drove. The first night I was there, I drove to the ocean with some friends. And it was so dark, you couldn't see anything. But the ocean was crashing, so you could see the foam coming in. And you could feel it, and you could smell it. And it was just incredible. I never had an experience like that before. And for me at that time, too, it represented uh, opportunity, possibility. It was a lifelong dream to stand there on the edge of the Pacific Ocean. And so for me, the reason I share with some of that in detail is because when I go back there, it's such a rich experience. There's a feeling tone of, oh, man, that was so sweet. Love that. And so what, what, what is that for you? Because I would invite you as we drop into silence to let something percolate up that's beautiful and powerful and shifts your feeling tone in your emotional state of being. It's just such a gift to ourselves. So... For those of you that are open to that, I'm going to sound the chimes, let you drop down into that silence, and I'm going to I'm sing a chant that many know here. If you're, you know, just allow it to be the soundtrack for you if you're, you're new this day. And then we'll say a prayer and have a conversation. So here we go. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room. 
in this very room, in this very room. And so what I invite you to know with me in this moment as we move into an affirmative prayer, it is such a blessing of, of our tradition in that we pray not from a perspective of separation, but from union. So I recognize there's a power for good, a force for good. At the quantum level of being, it's an energetic, the vibration of the most high. It's love, beauty, joy, celebration, opportunity, possibility, transformation. And so what I know in this moment, those qualities and that vibration, I affirm and know and open myself on behalf of each person here. If you join me in the silent yes, that is my life. And so standing in that, I know in this moment it is unique and powerful. We have never lived this moment before and this is the point of power. This is the point where we can influence, shift, change, and make a difference in our lives, in our community, and in the world. And so I just give thanks knowing that every good thing uniquely and beautifully packaged and delivered that is appropriate clear and obvious for each and every one of us in our own unique journey is available. And I say yes to it now. So I know that the words, the ideas, the inspiration, the energy, the possibility that is seeking expression that is mine to open to and be part of as I partner with spirit in this moment in this affirmative prayer and know that we are a team. I stand in that kingdom of consciousness in unity, oneness, celebration, joy, and play. For this, I give thanks. I give thanks for beautiful music today, for words, for fellowship, for a beautiful community that stands on the cusp of possibility, opportunity, and knowing that the world is really here for us to be artists in our own lives and bless one another with that artistry. For this, I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to bring a fellow up here to do a little testimonial. We just finished our foundations class, and I'm, uh, I'm committed to having as many wonderful testimonials as possible this year, and I think it's great because I can stand up here and talk till the cows come home. Now, I don't own any cows. That's a, you know, that's a euphemism, but anyway, I'm, I'm just an example. I'm going to invite uh, uh, Dwayne Baker Henderson to come forward and share with you today uh, a bit about his experience in foundation. So thank you, sir. And he's, he's spoken here before, so he's not a new man to this platform. No, I'm not shy. That's no, that's for sure. Right, that's right. Um, we did finish our foundations class yesterday, and there's a couple of people who were there with me. Uh, I was very sad to have it finish because uh, 10 weeks wasn't nearly enough. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that you've said already today that, uh, that really were keys for me in that experience. One of them was community. Um, I've talked about the people who were there with me. Uh, there were 10 of us um, who started the class and uh, almost all of us finished. It's a pretty, um, it's a deep class. You learn a lot about yourself and, uh, and what you believe and what you, actually, uh, what you actually are in the world. And you get to know these people so well in the class. And uh, that was absolutely phenomenal, getting to know Gus and Hildy and all the other people that were there is not something that I expected when I joined. I wanted to uh, kind of learn about the piece that was missing for me in, in the messages on Sunday mornings. Uh, there was something that I wasn't quite getting in, in everything. I was getting a lot from it, but there was a piece missing. 
But, uh, but what I got out of it was a group of new friends that uh, I know I'll, I'll know forever and uh, who will be connected to forever. We should start a small group, by the way, you guys. Um, and uh, another thing you talked about was transformation. And I think everybody in the class did experience uh, transformation on some level. Um, and it may have been small for some. For some, it was huge. And it was amazing to watch that that process for, for everybody else in the class as well as feeling my own transformation. And uh, like I said, it could have gone on for a lot longer than 10 weeks. Laura said that it used to be a very long course, like 30 weeks or something like that. And I, that seems short to me too now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I'll just encourage everybody who hasn't taken that class, sign up for transforma or <laughs> transformation. Transformation. <laughs> yeah, for the foundations class. It is a transformational class. Beautiful. And uh, you will find something there about yourself, about what uh, Reverend Patrick talks about every Sunday. Uh, and just what you're learning in your everyday experience. You'll find so much more um, deep learning and growing within all parts of your life. So, so do sign up, please. And, uh, and we will see you in our small group. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Dwayne. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So well said and, and done uh, so concisely, too. So really appreciated. So we've been working a little bit with this book by um, Daniel... Bernstein, called The Universe Has Your Back. And there's some wonderful pieces in it that I want to expand on and touch on today. And basically, uh, the chapter that I pulled from, she says, you are the dreamer that dreams the dream. You are the dreamer that dreams the dream. And we all, you know, as John Lennon said, uh, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I think we are a room full of dreamers. But not just dreaming in fantasy. I think it's about basking in possibility. And so she, she calls forth this idea that you are responsible for what you see. But pers because perspective is everything. Things are not what they are. They are what we think they are. There's a great quote by Aeneas Nin about that, that ties into that as well. But, you know, the world is not the way it is. The world is the way we see it. And that's such a profound and simple statement. But it just speaks volumes to what our opportunity is, how we color our experience on our journey. And so in this, I want to talk about some small changes and I'll use some examples today I think that are significant and, and, and point to some of the, the mindset around these, these ideas. We are not responsible for what our eyes are seeing. We are responsible for how we perceive what they are seeing. So it's quite interesting. Daniel Pink uses a story in his lecturing and his presentation. He tells a story about two dogs. Now these, let's make, just so we set this up right, because I know there's a lot of dog and animal lovers here. Let's just say this was just hypothetical. Because no, no dogs were damaged in, the, in this experiment. But I want you to know, I don't want you to go there in reflective thinking and miss the point. So it's just an example, and I'm sure if it did happen, it happened for a very short period of time. I'm certain these dogs are living happy, hap, happily somewhere. But anyway, what they did is they put two dogs, two separate dogs in two boxes, and, and on the floors of the boxes, there was an electrical charge. Now, I don't think it was a charge that would torture the dogs, but it was irritating. Well, one dog, I'm making all this up in terms of the dogs, by the way, but I don't want you to, to worry too much. I, I'm sure it was done well. Uh, that's my knowing. But anyway, one of the dogs in the box had a button, and the dog, if the dog would nuzzle the button, the electrical charge would stop. 
And so what they found over time, I'm sure a very short period of time, was that as the charge came through, the dog got better and better going over and nuzzling the button. And the dog that had the button was relatively happy. It was like, you know, it just showed kind of normal behavior. But the dog without the button was absolutely miserable and sort of dropped into depression. Just stuck. And what they concluded from, and Daniel Pink talks about it, is that the circumstances of our life has less to do with our happiness the circumstances of our life have less to do with our happiness than the sense of control we feel over our lives. If we feel like, man, we're stuck in the box and there's no relief, that's, that's, that's painful. And, and, and so I, I, I appreciate the story and that I think that the, um, the beauty of it is, is to realize, am I in the box that I don't feel there's an option or is there an option? Is there a way out? And, you know, we, what we talk about here in, the, in possibility, you know, our theme is possibility. That, but we slide into resignation. We live in a world right now, if you look out in the world, there's a lot of things happening. Someone came up to me the other day, to, I, I met him on the street, member of the center, and said, man, it's, this election has just really got me down. And I said, well, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to have this stuff in front of us. And as I've said before, when, when more light is coming upon the planet, the shadow rises up. That's part of it energetically. It still doesn't make it comfortable if, if we disagree with some of the things, but I'm just saying that, that to be able to be in a community of like-minded individuals and realize this too is for something, to, to stretch us and to, and to accelerate. I think it's an accelerant. I think people are starting to stand up in ways they haven't before because no one's, no one's going to come and save us. It's, a, it's upon all of us to do our own interior and, and, and work in the world to make a difference. So how we frame things from that story of the dogs, how we frame things, how we frame the conditions of our life is really important. We are not responsible for what our eyes are seeing. We are responsible for how we perceive what we are seeing. Right there. Yeah. And so in this idea, I want to talk once again about how simple, small things can change everything. Because it doesn't have to be wholesale. It can be simple, small things. The single best, this is remarkable, I love this. The single best improvement, and we had babies all over the, the first service we had like six babies here, and they were, they were talking and crying the whole time. It was great. I got through it really well. I held one while I talked. It was good. I'm getting much better at it now. But it was beautiful to have them in the room. Uh, so I'm, I, I did this, the reason I bring it up is when I read this story the first time, all the babies were crying, so I don't know if anybody heard it, so it's nice to be able to share it in a little quieter environment. The single best improvement in passenger satisfaction on the London Underground per pound spent came when they didn't add any extra trains nor change the frequency of the trains, but when they put dot matrix display boards on the platforms showing how much time before the next train arrived. Isn't that fascinating? Simple little thing. And they, what they discovered is the nature and quality of the wait is not the duration, but on the level of uncertainty you experience during the wait. Isn't that true about our lives? Isn't that true about the prayers we do? Hey, I said a prayer about this and it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's not showing up. She's not showing up. He's not showing up. You know, and, and so it's how do, we, how do we hold the weight? How do we stand in that weight and continue to, in that eager expectancy? So they put the clock up. Simple. They said it's much easier to sit there and, and wait for a train for seven minutes if you can watch the time tick down rather than four minutes and not know when it's showing up. It puts us all into a different state of being, frustration and anxiety. Like, oh, when's that train coming? To have a radical shift in perception, to have a radical shift in perception, it can be as simple as perceiving your job with more gratitude. 
You're in a job that you hate? Be grateful that you understand you hate it. Isn't that, isn't that great news? You're not stuck there. You got the button to push. Bang! Relief. This is temporary. This isn't a life sentence. That you are so, so adapted and evolved that you understand when you're miserable. That is awesome. And you don't have to stay miserable. Or more gratitude with, uh, with your family. More love with your family. A small shift can change you forever. That's so true. So simple, small things change everything. So for those of us that are on the spiritual path, that I know the room is full of people, that we, we, we understand there's a longing, there's a sense of something, possibility. And as Dwayne said, I came in, they said the first time I came, he told me we did our, uh, Dwayne's going to be one of our new board members on our board of trustees. And he was telling me yesterday, we were at the same table, he said, you know, the first time I heard a talk here, I went home, I had to leave. I was like, I don't understand anything was going on. And I said, well, thanks. So... But sometimes the languaging and sometimes the energetic of how we approach it can be a bit different when we're used to a certain way of, of hearing or, or, or what, whatever it may be. So what, but I guess what I'm saying is, is that, um, not that we're the only way, but sometimes it takes time to develop the ears and perception to, to grasp some of maybe some of the deeper ideas. And when we study it, when we read it, when we read Dr. Holmes, I mean, now it's just like, for me, it's just like... Um, Elixir, you know, something that's irresistible. But when I first came to it, I, you know, I, I told my first minister, you know, he gave me that textbook. I said, I'd rather take a shower in a men's prison than read this textbook. <laughs> he liked that, but that's how I felt at the time. I've come a long way. So Dr. Holmes says in this beautiful, I brought a prayer along with me that I want to weave in with you today because one of the things we do, we activate this through language. And this comes from Dr. Holmes' a reader on practical wisdom. And in it, he, he writes, I'll read you the first stanza. He said, today, it's called prof- prosperity affirmation. Divine, divine abundance is forever manifesting in my affairs. Divine abundance is forever manifesting in my affairs. Today, I expect every good thing to come to me. Every good thing to come to me. For I know that divine abundance is forever manifesting itself in my affairs. Such a beautiful idea to live in that expectancy. Brilliant, brilliant man. I wrote that back in the 20s. What a beautiful prayer of welcome. Because as as Gabrielle talks about in Bernstein in The Universe Has Your Back, she says, the universe will always conspire to lead you to the highest good when when you're open to receive it. So if the gifts have already been given and it's, they're not showing up in my life, how am I not open to receive it? What is blocking it? What is the restriction? What is the opposition? And she talks in here about asking for guidance. Asking for guidance. What is mine here? With this situation I'm in, what is mine to know here? What is mine to do here? But what kind of guidance sometimes are we asking for? You know, if it, look at life because this infinite is vast. There's many mansions in the Father's house, as, as the teacher Jesus said. So insist, I would say become very particular, insist on the quality of guidance. I am doing this. And so I know that the right and perfect resources are showing up in my life to assist me in creating the finest expression of what I am about this day. In other words, that we, we don't go into a restaurant, maybe you do, I don't, and don't even look at the menu and just say, bring me something to eat. Anybody do that? If you did, if more of you did, I'd open a restaurant, but the problem is you all want something special. So. 
But the point is, is that the infinite can only respond to what we give it. It just works that way. It can only respond to what we give it. So if there's chinks in our armor, if there's gaps in our consciousness, if there's, there's something that is restricting the flow and the opportunity in our lives, it's not a problem, it's an opportunity. And so asking for the guidance, it might be, I long for this experience. And so how can I line myself up more energetically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually with that possibility? And chances are, by the time you get done doing that work, you're not gonna want what you want anyway. Because all of a sudden the clarity lands, you go, wow, I thought I wanted that to be happy. And what I realized is I don't need that to be happy. I'm happy already. But that's, that's not the point. We still got to reach. We still got to long. But it, because it is in the evolution of consciousness that the, that the gifts are in it. It just lifts us up and makes us more available to possibility and opportunity. But you and I can, if we're diligent, determine the quality of the guidance to insist that the highest alignment with the greatest good for the possible outcomes. You know, when you find yourself worrying and the anxiety starts to kick in. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe, I love it. Joe says, change, change, change. You know, catching ourselves and making agreement. Change, I'm not doing this anymore. Change, change, change. And to start making the unconscious conscious. To, to affirm that I am calling forth the appropriate insight, the wisdom, the guidance, the resources, the people, and the magic that taps into the internal unknown is revealing itself now. And work with that and more. I stand ready to receive and act accordingly to what is being revealed. I shall do my part in the unfolding and creation that serves the greatest good. Isn't beautiful? I didn't get that growing up. I got that through reading the perennial truth. We are the perennial truth here. This is not anything new, it's called new thought, not because it's new, but the idea is that for all of us as we shift in perception, all of a sudden we have a new thought that we can act upon and live from and be passionate about. Where we've limited ourselves, all of a sudden there's a new opportunity. So what happens with it, you know, Jesus said, or he was quoted as saying, uh, you are the light of the world, and I think everyone is to, to greater or lesser degrees. You are the light of the world. And I think we're in a time right now where being the light of the world is great, but I think for us that understand how precious each thought is, each day is, and each moment is, we become lasers. To go from the light bulb to the laser, I think we should get t-shirts made up. But think about it. Because we can illumine a room, but really, and, and, and we need that. But for us to achieve and to be about what, what I think is our calling, our opportunity, more of a laser-like approach. So what happens too is that then there becomes um, calculated neglect. What are the things that you're giving attention to in your life that have no business with where you want to go? And you say, oh, you know what? Not right now. That's when Joe says, change, change, change. Yeah, I'm not going there right now. I gotta, I'm heading there. And I know I can pick it up and I can worry and I can fret and I can be in anxiety about it, but that's not going to get me there. That just creates, a, it becomes harder. That's the hard part. That's where the rubber meets the road. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's important that we have that conversation. Dr. Holmes continues in this prosperity affirmation, which I think is in alignment with this idea. He says, I am keeping my whole mind and thought and expectation open to new experiences, to happier events, to a more complete self-expression. More complete self-expression, because when we're in alignment with that, our self-expression is the self-expression of the infinite. It's how God shows up. The goddess, God goddess, not a personality, but a principle and an opportunity. And then she talks about the holy instant. 
Gabrielle. She writes about the holy instant. And it comes from the Course in Miracles. And I know the Course in Miracles a bit, and I know we have folks here that, that use that uh, modality as well. But the holy instant is that moment when you surrender your fear to the care of the universe and accept this perspective of love. So the holy instant is a, a, an act of faith that we're not alone. Boy, to get that and to live from that more, more fully is, is powerful. The holy instant It is an instant out of time and space in which our decision-making, easier for me to say, excuse me, decision-making mind realizes we're making a mistake. That's the unholy instant. Isn't that great to call your mistake an unholy instant? Oh, made a mistake. Awesome. Get to choose again and invite the loving perception of the universe to reinterpret the situation. I made a mistake. This thing happened. Infinite, what's for me to know here? In a loving perception. Um, framing it in a perspective of love. Where's the love here? We are reminded there's a loving spiritual presence that can restore us to sanity. This is the holy instant. And when we witness the holy instant, we experience a miracle. To go from fear to love. Fear to love. When you find yourself, I mean, it is precious to stay out of that spin and be able to ground ourselves. Here's Sarah, just got back from uh, Abhijan. He was down there for a month and a half with John of God. Oh, I'm jealous. But when you're there, you're in, that, you're in that incubator of the quantum field of unconditional love is what I would call it. It's amazing. Just amazing. Your mom and dad are still there? Yeah. So what happens when we move into that love? What happens when we surrender to the mystery? So it's paradoxical. What do you mean surrender but be specific? What's the deal here? Well, it's just like I said. We order the meal in the restaurant, but we trust that the order has been received and the chef is the finest chef possible. And when we receive that food we've ordered, it'll be extraordinary. So what it is, is we've identified the what, but the how is up to that chef, that infinite divine presence. Now, if there's things we need to do, we can do it. We'll know because we're in partnership. I place the order, the chef is cooking the meal. But in that, Joe Dispenza talks about this and I love Joe's work. He said, we must move from particle to wave in the quantum field, from particle to wave. So we, we go from the de- a less dense state of being into something that's more fluid, open, and receptive. From the material to the immaterial, the more we surrender to possibility and live energetically in a supercharged state of grace and faith, the more possibility and surprise can find its way into our life and into the world of form. So if you've ever done an affirmative prayer with anybody, here or somewhere else, one of the things you may hear is a phrase in it, it is this or something greater. Why limit the good? It is this or something greater. I'm affirming this and knowing this, it is this or something greater. So this is our opportunity. Dr. Holmes continues in his affirmation that everything that belongs to spirit, I accept. Because it's all God. Everything that belongs to spirit, I accept. Everything that partakes of the nature of divine reality, I claim as my own. I identify with success and I prosper in everything I do. Gabrielle continues, the universe is our classroom. And it is. We're in a classroom, and our lives are our test. How are we doing? Thriving, struggling, creating. Invested in scarcity, invested in lack, invested in abundance, possibility. She says, the universe is our classroom, and when we accept our role as, as a happy learner, life gets really groovy. Probably not a phrase I would use, but she uses it. We have come into this realm in this time to learn, to grow, develop, and share our gifts. 
We are a single soul cell in the collective soul, here to live a value-based life and a purpose-based life. And it takes, a, it takes a long time to wake up. It just does. And it's bit by bit. It's incremental. It's gradual, sequential, inevitable. So those simple things, those simple things can be so par- powerful. And then when we choose, as she talks about partnership, when we choose the universe as our teacher, we can see with the eyes of love because we realize we're not alone. We are the sons and daughters of the universe and the oneness that we represent. Neil Donald Walsh says, the suffering ends where love begins. So Joe Dispenza recommends that you don't get out of your meditation chair or your prayer chair until you can fully embody the feeling tone of, I love my life. I love my life. Because that becomes our prayer. It becomes our way of being. So, one of the things that I think is highly valuable and productive is to make it a priority first thing in the morning and last thing at night in determining what it is, this feeling tone. What is it that you want to embody? You know, I shared with you that experience of the the ocean going to California. What is it you want to embody as your experience? And be as specific as possible, but that you may not know right now, but you may have a memory. So start with that and let that start to draft into your greater yet to know and greater yet to be. And so about 15 minutes before going to bed, at least, if not longer, just spending some time thinking about that, shutting down that busy mind. You know, the busy mind, we, know, we now know that there's five levels of brain activity. There's beta, there's alpha, there's theta, there's delta, and there's gamma. And gamma is brand new. They're just discovering what gamma is all about. It's quite mystical. But the beta is the voice that can be described as the nagging little inner critic that gets louder the higher you go into the range. It's a, um, it's a frequency range. And therefore, with the majority of adults operating at beta, it's a little surprising, it's not surprising that the stress is, in today's culture is our most common health problem. Because most people live in beta all the time. They don't know any other way to be. Anybody here ever had the beta experience? We're having it right now, actually, yeah. But it's that busy mind. And so what happens with, with practice, with mindfulness, with, with intentional breathing, beautiful way to slow down the mind is, to, is through the breath. Because everything slows down. If we can catch ourselves. But sometimes, you know, when I first found this teaching, I thought, oh, this is a great idea. I'm never going to be able to apply it in my life. Because my mind's too busy fixing everything. But I, I like the idea. It's a great theory. So that's where I started. But beta is that, that, that uh, conscious awareness. Alpha, the next state of awareness, is the, the brain wave is in deep relaxation and usually when our eyes are closed. So when you close your eyes, you can move into the alpha state. And so it's kind of like lovely daydreaming. Like I asked you to reflect on something that feels good. You know, a memory of a feeling tone of happiness or fulfillment. And it happens in daydreaming or light meditation. It is an optimal time to program the mind for success. And it also heightens your imagination, your visualization, your memory, your learning, and your concentration. So knowing that, wouldn't it be beneficial to do a bit of eyes closed contemplation or meditation for a bit before you do your prayer work? Because otherwise, we're just using the beta mind to try and impress at a deeper level something, and there's just, those ideas just bounce off. That's why there's a little bit of protocol or, or an on-ramp that, that can make the, that field of possibility more um, receptive and porous. It is the gateway, alpha is the gateway to our subconscious mind, and that lies at the base of our conscious awareness. 
The voice of Alpha is your intuition, and it becomes clearer and more profound the closer you get to that frequency, which is a 7.5 frequency, which is just, you know, it's a scale I don't quite understand. But I do know that when I meditate, I go into a different state of awareness. Theta brainwaves are present during deep meditation and light sleep, including the all-important REM. So if you're not getting enough REM, you're exhausted. So theta is really important. It is the realm of your subconscious and only experienced momentarily as you drift off to sleep. Uh, from alpha and then from into de uh, delta, which is deep sleep. And so theta, your mind's most deep-seated programs are at theta, and it is where you experience vivid visualizations, great inspiration, profound creativity, and exceptional insight. The voice in that state of uh, brainwave is the silent voice. And it is the optimal range for visualization, mind programming, and using the creative powers of your mind. So there are recordings that you can go online, those binaural beats, binaural beats help open that capacity. And I've shared that at the cl class we just finished up with the, uh, Joe Dispenza's um, placebo, you are the placebo meditation, but he has the binaural beats which puts us into, puts the brain into the theta state. And so in the middle of that meditation he asks, now what is it you're ready to give up and what is it you want to embody? And he encourages us to feel it at, a, at the, the richest possible level. From that, we move down into delta, which is that deep sleep. It's the slowest of the frequencies, and it is experienced in deep, dreamless sleep, in very deep, transcendental meditation where awareness is fully detached. And then gamma is the most recently discovered. It is the fastest frequency that they know of, and little is known about the state of mind. But it's quite, it, from what they can tell, it's a, it, can, it has bursts of insight and high-level information processing attached to it. So as we sleep and we consciously shift through these states, so as we go to sleep, we go through all the states. When we do that and we make ourselves more porous in those moments of first waking and getting ready to go to sleep, that's when the subconscious is most available. I mean, hypnosis have known this for years. Hypnotists have known this. I, Wayne Lee and I have had many conversations about this. So with practice over time, we can, we can have less beta in our lives and more of the other mindful practices. Dr. Holmes continues with his beautiful prayer, thinking about what we can embody, something to work with, something interesting. And it's all about embodying gratitude. And gratitude is that feeling tone that something has already happened. It's already happened, to live in that, that longing. Because the, the, the mind doesn't know whether it's happened or not. But he says, as I give thanks for the good now flowing into my life, I gladly share the good with others. And the more I give, the more I receive. I experience a deeper consciousness of peace and security for I know I am in the embrace of a warm, loving presence forever seeking an outlet through me. My cup runneth over. I exist in limitless possibility. I exist in limitless possibility. So another example of the beta and the things that we do as a culture upon the planet to manage beta. There's a picture. Uh, that's a... Uh, traffic light, traffic signal in Korea. And you'll notice that part of it is darker. You'll notice around the outside, the perimeter there, that part of it is dark. Those are the, the little lights within the light that signal that the light is going to go green in a moment. So as those go, as those, I think they probably go dark. I don't know, I haven't been to Korea. One or the other, but they indicate the light's going to change. And interestingly enough, what they found is that in doing this, 
it has proven to reduce the accident rate because people know how long they're going to have to sit there. And the reason it's reduced the accident rate is it has has diminished road rage. You know how we can sit there for a moment and get so frustrated? And all the stuff we're dragging with us all of a sudden gets accelerated? So it diminishes road rage, impatience, and general irritation. They are massively reduced because people have the information. Just like the train coming. Oh, I got seven minutes to wait. And the same thing with the traffic light. Now, they did this with the green light, too, and they found that it didn't work well. Accidents went up because people would look at the perimeter and see how far, much time they had to get through the intersection, and so they would, they'd hit the gas. So they realized, let's not use the green lights, just, let's just use the red lights. So the reason I mention that is I think it's important for us with our beta minds to have some symbols to have some touchstones in our lives that keep us out of that frustration. I brought along a little stone today that I was on my desk at home, and I was looking for a rosary from my mom. My mom, every time I left the house, and there were a lot of us, as you know, a lot of kids in my family, every, nobody ever left the house without a rosary. I mean, every time I, as a kid, you know, there was no hiding that you were a Catholic when you went and somebody asked you for change, because you always had to dig it out and look around the rosary to find the quarter or the nickel or whatever you needed. But there's no magic in the rosary. But for my mom, it was very, very important because energetically, she sent us out the door with it. It was her form of prayer. It was like, you know, we were putting on our armor. You got a rosary, you'll be okay. You know, you know God will be with you. And so there's power in intention. I brought my little get gratitude stone today because I want to I wanna be in the feeling tone and the value of gratitude. Because gratitude is that feeling tone. It's already happened. What a great place to be. So having little reminders in our lives is like, hey, that's right, gratitude. So when I get over here and get lost, I say, oh yeah, I decided I was going to be in gratitude today. It's just a reminder for me. So what symbol in your life, what symbol in my life can, can pull me out of that beta mind where it's so easy to get busy and fixing and running? In Dr. Be- in Dr. Holmes' beautiful book, Discover a Richer Life, I've been using it, probably use it all the way through the years as part of our, our uh, sharings. But one of the things we teach here that is unique and beautiful about this community is affirmative prayer. And so affirmative prayer is a very mystical practice. I would say as we get better at it, we drop down out of the beta state into those deeper states of alpha and theta with it. So it becomes a really wonderful spiritual practice. But Dr. Holmes writes about this idea. And one of the things that I think is so insightful, he says, we do not know, we, we do know that one kind of thought can neutralize another. One kind of thought can neutralize another. This is very important. Otherwise, if we are full of negative thoughts and they are attracting negative conditions, and if we could not change them, we would be caught in a trap, would we not? Fortunately, this is not the case. One kind of thought will replace another. This has already been determined in at least two laboratory projects at Duke University and Redlands uh, of University of California. The results indicate that affirmative prayer neutralizes previous negative prayer. These scientific demonstrations indicate that no matter how much anybody failed, if he could affirm success, he could neutralize the failure. Affirming success neutralizes the failure. And it just takes practice. It takes repetition. It isn't, isn't it a rather remarkable thing that this finding came from psychological laboratories rather than theological seminaries? It appears to be a paradox similar to the situation Jesus encountered. 
he had to find his followers from doctors, lawyers, fishermen, and tax collectors. Why? Because the priests could not free themselves from old static thought patterns. Isn't that interesting? And Dr. Holmes, I love Dr. Holmes because he's just given me, he gave me Jesus in a way that I never got as a kid. You know, they were always pulling for the pain and I was pushing for the pleasure, as George Carlin would say. But, but that, that, so I ask you, are you the fisherman or the priest? Where are you the priest in your life and you're not allowing that guidance, that wisdom, that clarity, that partnership to be part of your experience? That you place your order and realize, man, I got the best cook in the world cooking my meal for me right now. You know, this is a remarkable community, this tradition in this community. And lives are changed here. I mean, how many of you sitting here, is life is different than when you first walked in the doors of these? Yeah, yeah, good for you. Absolutely, and me too, me too. It's been an ongoing journey. I, you know, I thought at some point it'd be over and I just could coast, but nope. More to do, more to know. Son of a gun! They never told me that at the beginning. But see, we're either about this business or we aren't. We aren't. And people's lives are impacted in such a beautiful way by what, what we represent. We had this beautiful, beautiful... Um, strategic planning session yesterday and it was remarkable and it was short and concise but just really clean and in it we talked about some ideas and the fellow that facilitated it is a big advocate of Rotary and Rotary's motto is let Rotary help you help the world and I thought that's so true of what we're doing let CSL help you help the world that we want the world to work for everybody in our own lives and the more we embody these principles and live from them, man, we got a better shot at it. And we're better together than we are individually. The Aquarian age that we're moving into is the, the age of community. We're moving out of the rugged individualist into the age of community. And we're right at the cusp of it. We're just moving into it. But lives are changed. And we're able to look at our programming and, and dismantle it and repurpose it and come back in a different, in a di- with a different trajectory and a different idea and a different possibility. So there's a lot of great stuff happening here for people. And you know, I, my, um, um, these little babies that were here earlier, you know, for me, it just keeps me in the game because I want my granddaughters to be here with their grandchildren. You know, I, I just know what a blessing this has been. And if we aren't here, if we're, if we're not here as a community, well, it'll, it'll, it'll be somewhere. People will find it. They always have. But for me, one of the things that keeps me my, my uh, trajectory heading in this direction is that if, if love and possibility and opportunity and creativity and transformation aren't available, then I, I look at the news and I see that I don't, I don't want fear and prejudice and anger and let's put up walls and let's separate one another to be the conversation and the way people are upon this planet. I just think that all of us need to contemplate that. So taking a stand for ourselves in this, saying yes to this is a no to that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I thank you for being part of it. I thank you for your your support and being part of this community. Figuring out in your life how you can partner more deeply, how you can be part of that transformation. It's not impossible. We all are in that box with the button and we can push it anytime. There's more support around us than we know the availability, the wisdom, the possibility, and the opportunity are so sweet and so beautiful. So blessings. Namaste.